Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans and Jeff Shade, a show that simplifies the complexities of investments, taxes, retirement, and more so you can discover how to better sustain yourself and your wealth for years to come. Brian is a CPA with 30 years experience and a financial advisor, which brings a unique perspective to the financial world. This show is brought to you by Madrona Financial and CPAs, home of the Rooted Wealth Plan. Want a retirement plan designed to last 30 plus years? Go to madronafinancial.com and click Get Started to see what the Rooted Wealth Plan can do for you. And now, here are your hosts, Brian Evans and Jeff Shade. Thank you so much. Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, the show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help sustain yourself and your wealth for 30 plus years. On today's show, we're going to be discussing four Catch-22 situations you may experience in retirement and five tax mistakes retirees make. My name's Jeff Shade, and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions, but of course, the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Brian Evans, CEO and President of Madrona Financial and CPAs. Brian, how are you doing this week? I'm doing great. Thanks, Jeff. Always glad to hear that, Brian. I certainly hope our listeners are doing well today, too. We've got another great show lined up for us. Brian, as I understand it, Catch-22, that's a situation where an individual can't find an easy solution because of contradictory rules or limitations. Now, you often talk about how there's no such thing as a perfect investment or a perfect investment strategy. Would you say that this is because of a financial Catch-22? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, we do repeat the phrase on this show that there's, again, no perfect investment and there's no perfectly imperfect investment. Every investment category has its place. Sometimes its place is not in your portfolio. <laughs> Sometimes it should be in your portfolio. It depends. One of the things we always talk about on this show, which keeps us SEC compliant, which I like too, right. is that there are detriments to every single investment strategy. There are so many times you can go online or turn on your radio or your TV and listen to somebody and they go, we have the perfect investment for you. Just do this and your world will be awesome. And it's like, wait a second. Brian says there's no perfect investment. How could this be? Well, they're leaving out that part. So we always like to, we in fact lead with it most of the time when we talk about different investments and, and some of the characteristics of them. We lead often with the characteristics of the detriments ahead of the benefits. So because there are detriments to everything. So to me, a catch-22, you think you have a plan. You go, okay, I'm going to do X because that's going to be really good. But as soon as that comes out of your, your mouth, your brain might start thinking, oh, wait a second. You're giving something up, too, at the same time. There's, there's a catch to this. There's no, again, no perfect uh, strategy. So whatever your, your benefits are, you have detriments and you have to balance them. So Catch-22, to me, it's always going to exist in every investment decision, I think. And so the job of us as an advisor is to help you balance and, and help balance the benefits and detriments to make sure that whatever your combination of investments is, it has the right mix and it has the right balance. So, yeah, there's always going to be Catch-22. Uh, otherwise, this would be easy. We'd have a four-minute show. I'd say, <laughs> you know, buy XYZ. That's it. Drop my mic and walk away, and it'd be a really boring show. So <laughs> that's my answer to that, Jeff. Yeah, a comprehensive investment plan does involve a lot more than just what's on the surface. And, you know, this conversation reminds me, as we've talked about before in this show, the five things that money can do for you, cash flow, security, growth, liquidity, and tax savings. There isn't one investment that's perfect that does all of those, but are there some investments that may do more of one of these things than another? And, you know, how does that play into balancing things out? Yeah, as I mentioned on the show previously, that there are six places you can put your money. And I just kind of created six categories that seemed to me to be pretty good. Cash and cash equivalents, the stock market, bond market, real estate, insurance company products, and alternatives, which is a catch-all for basically everything else. So that's my way of not leaving anything out. But they all can accomplish different objectives in a different way. You know, if just the simple thing, cash is secure, but it, it doesn't grow. Stock markets can grow. They can lose money. Anything that can grow a lot can also lose money. And they're not secure. And so just right there, you have very different attributes to expected outcomes from particular investments. So it's a blending of these. And then within each of those six categories, obviously, I said stock market. Well, there's lots of different stocks you could buy. There's indexes, there's U.S. foreign, small cap, large cap. You know, that's a big market. What about real estate? Well, I mean, there's a lot of different kinds of real estate you can buy. You can buy office building. Oh, that's not been a great place since COVID. Or you could buy a rental house. Or 
or DST or, or private non-traded REIT. I mean, everything's very disparate results of your investments depending on, on the subcategories of what you invest in. But that's what makes it interesting, putting it all together, having access to all the markets. That's probably one of the biggest things we talk about on the show is having access. I just had a new client come in and, and he said, well, you know, I have a whole bunch of money. I'm still in my 50s. I've uh, got a huge 401k plan, but I'm just going to have that in the market until I can roll it out. But this other money, I know you have, Brian, You your company has access to things I can't access. So he'd been listening. And exactly right. There's a lot of markets he could not access within his 401k plan that we could outside. So knowing that he had that money in the stock market helped me go, okay, I can balance this out with stuff that you can't access. The other stuff that was from old 401ks that we could manage for until he was older. And so, yeah, so putting uh, investments together, having access, understanding the different markets, how they react in different markets and what the proper mix is to kind of balance out our, our catch-22 situation that there is no perfect investment. Yeah, and it appears to me that there's always a trade-off, as you said. You know, with some things, you may have a lot of security, but there's no growth to it. So you have to consider both sides of the equation. So, Brian, let's talk a little bit about Social Security. Now, there is a situation where there can be many catch-22s. It appears to be pretty simple on the surface. It's, you know, when you take it, 62, full retirement age or age 70, but it's really a lot more complex than that. It really affects a lot of parts of your portfolio, not just the income part. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we could spend hours talking about Social Security on here. Uh, we don't have that much time. We, we, we're not on that long. But what's interesting to me, a couple of comments about what I hear from clients. One is, you know, I, I'll ask them, well, do you have a plan for Social Security? And it's pretty much something they come up with in about five seconds in their brain. And then you just they just kind of blurt it out. Yeah, I'm going to take it early. Oh, really? Why? And I heard this this week because it probably won't be here. So I, I need to take it while I can. And that was it. And I was like, oh, well, no, actually, it will be here. Politicians are not going to get rid of Social Security. It will be unfunded. They'll have to increase the age at some point. Our kids are going to have to wait until their 70s to take it. That will make it solvent for an extra couple of decades. It'll be there. No politician wants to say, I'm going to cut Social Security. And, you know, they're, they're cutting their job if they do. And that's why no one talks about it, even though everybody knows it's insolvent in the near future. And so everybody wants uh, the next politician. Uh, let, let them fix it after I, I retire because I don't want to lose my votes. And so I don't want to bring that up. So it'll be there. So that was not a good enough reason, I didn't think, to take it early because the other thing that this person was thinking about was retiring early. But then I asked, well, what are you going to do after that? Well, you know, I need to do something. I say, yeah, you'll probably go back consulting or find some other job in a different category or, or whatever that may be. And you might be making a mistake if you make decisions on Social Security today without thinking about those things. And so part of our financial planning involves what do you think your life's going to look like? Is there a chance of you going back to work and all this stuff? So a lot of people file too early. And then they have problems. And maybe there's other things on the Catch-22 theme here. Uh, You know, I just talked about if you retire early and file later, you could be draining your investments too quickly. How long are you going to live? How many healthy years do you have left? What's the market going to do over the next 20 years? I mean, I'm I'm throwing out these questions. You're going, wait wait a second, what does that got to do with Social Security? Well, it could have a lot to do with it. Right. Uh, Depending on how how long you live is a huge component. And that's an uncertainty. We don't know how long you're going to live, but, you know, your guess is better than anybody else's. So uh, we do ask people to kind of give us an indication of, you know, their health and what they think their uh, longevity might be. Because we kind of need to know all these uncertainties. So I'm throwing out all these questions here just for Social Security going, wait a second, that sounds more encompassing than, gee, I'm going to take it early because they're going to run out of money. You're bringing up, if I do take it early and I don't need to spend it, uh, I could invest that in the market and maybe have more money or not. Maybe if I I take it early, I go back to work, I got to pay it back or I don't get the raises I thought and I've got to continually communicate with Social Security about my income and so forth to make sure I have my increases coming up and 
boy, Brian, this is getting a lot more complicated yeah. than taking it early or late. Boy, if you're married and you had disparate incomes during your lifetimes, what if you pass away before she does and you were the higher income earner or vice versa? Then that could really affect somebody for years or decades. And we go, oh, yeah, that's right. It, it does affect my spouse depending on what happens there. So there are programs out there that are social security optimization. However, if you aren't asking the right questions, then I don't know how you get this stuff right. You might get lucky, but I I would prefer that the questions get asked and the what-ifs analyzed and thought through as you're doing a financial plan to maximize your Social Security for yourself. And Brian, I'm glad that you mentioned this uh, optimization report that a lot of advisors have that focuses primarily on longevity and your benefit break-even date. But I think if people just accept that and don't look at the variables, they really, really have missed the mark. Brian, let's talk about taxes now and the Catch-22 situation. Now, this is one where there isn't just one, but there are a lot of Catch-22s with taxes. Yeah, because people do this a lot to me. They'll go, I had this particular transaction. What will my taxes be? And I just kind of chuckle and it's like, wow, in a vacuum, I can't ever answer that question. Why not, Brian? You've been a CPA over 30 years. Well, because there is the 0% bracket, 10% bracket, the 12, the 15, the 20, the 22, the 23.8, the 24, the 32, the 35. Oh, there's a 25 in there for recapture and a 37. Well, it's kind of hard for me to tell you exactly what it's going to be, depending on capital gain versus ordinary income and all the other components of your tax return, how different things affect the marginal tax brackets and so forth. So it is virtually impossible to answer a question as to what are my taxes going to be, Mr. CPA, if I do X? Like, uh, we have to put that into a program. We cannot do that in our heads and on paper very easily when you have a lot of moving parts. And so taxes, obviously, it's so important to do tax planning. And especially when you have big transactions coming up, retirements, uh, retirement strategies, uh, Roth conversions during your early retire years, sale of a business, sale of real estate, all kinds of different situations that occur. But the tax planning part of that is not something you can do on a back of a napkin. You can't really go online and just fill out some simple generic planning form off some big custodian's website. You know, you can, but are you going to get it accurate? Are you going to know the questions to ask? I'm pretty sure that a generic website does not know the questions to ask like an experienced CPA does as it relates to tax planning. So that's just a, a start of the discussion on the Catch-22 is the tax planning. Yeah, and taxes are so complex. I'm sure that a lot of our listeners are probably a little bit confused about what we've talked about here with taxes and Social Security. So as a result of that, Brian, right now, I want to open the phone lines for our listeners so they can give us a call and talk about their Social Security, their taxes, or maybe their entire retirement. That telephone number, 833-673-7373. Call that number right now and ask for your complimentary Madrona analysis. If you want to keep more of your hard-earned money, then you need a comprehensive plan that'll start with this comprehensive analysis that I've just offered you. You're going to need to work with a team of advisors and CPAs that are going to be able to help you maximize your income and your quality of life and preserve, if not grow, your portfolio. How much is an hour of your time worth if that hour could potentially give you a half million dollars or more to give to your kids or your charities? Because you did it all. Would it have been worth it to call 833-673-7373? I think so. You can optimize your entire retirement by calling that number and asking for your Madrona analysis. What if you could give an extra half million dollars to your kids or your charities? Would that be a benefit to you? I think it would be. So once again, that number 833-673-7373. Now you've got to have at least $500,000 or more in investable assets to qualify. If you do have that, we'll send you out Brian's book, Seven Steps to a Successful Retirement. Once again, that number 833-673-7373. Make that call today because phone lines are open right now. 833-673-7373. One call could make all the difference. Brian, speaking of taxes, can you give me an example of where someone may have something in front of them that it really appears quite simple, but in fact, it is very complex? Yeah, I mean, a lot of us are convinced to, you know, load up in our 401k plans. They've grown to large balances sometimes as we hit retirement years with the expectation that, well, when we're retired, we're going to be in a lower bracket. So it'll, it'll be just fine. But then we get there and we go, whoops, my IRA account, my 401k accounts are very large. And so some people will say, well, what's this going to mean for me tax-wise? And it's like, 
if things keep going the way they're going, you're going to have really high required minimum distributions putting you in a uh, very high tax bracket. So maybe there's some tax planning. So if we can do some Roth conversions when you're not working in your 60s, for instance, before you're, you're required to take minimum distributions, there's also the situation in this case where you're not going to spend down those assets and you pass away and leave them to your heirs. If your heirs are your kids and your kids are working and they're in their 50s or 60s, they might be at their highest bracket years. And so you're transferring them to them when they have to take it when they're at a very high bracket of the future. And those future high brackets could be even higher. I left out the estate tax planning part of this, the mm -hmm. Washington estate tax and the federal estate tax potentially, which are changing. And there are a lot more people, in fact, more than twice as many people that are paying estate tax today, potentially will be paying it after the Trump tax laws sunset here in a couple of years. So, boy, all I asked, Brian, was how, do, how much tax am I going to pay on my 401k? And you just, <laughs> yeah. you just confused the heck out of me. I'm like, yeah. yeah, I kind of did that on purpose because it's yeah. not simple. No. It, sometimes it is, but for a lot of my clients, it is not. And that's why we need somebody to really look at all the nuances before they answer a question uh, as simple as what are my taxes on my 401k? Brian, let's continue to talk about Catch-22 situations as far as income goes. Now, there is one that's fraught with Catch-22s. How much income can I take without taking too much? Yeah, this has been a topic of conversation in my industry forever, and, and it keeps changing. And because it keeps changing, that tells me that we've been getting it wrong. Because it used to be you can take 8% of your portfolio. I remember you know, you'd read, oh, take 8%, you're fine. Oh, and then it was six, and then it was five, and then it was four. I've seen two, and I was creeping back up. And it's like, well, if I was taking 8% and I retired in 1999... I ran out of money by about 2007, and then the market crashed, so I'm really toast. I mean, I'm going back to, I'm begging for my old job back. Uh, you know, the, when I told you what to do with your job when I when I quit you know, <laughs> eight years ago? Shove it, yeah. Um, yeah, can we just forget about that? I, I kind of ran out of my retirement in, right. in a mere eight years because I, I read some article in some magazine, financial magazine, 12 years ago, and I just kind of thought, oh, okay, I'll take 8% out. Mm -hmm. uh, then we had a 9-11 market crash recession, and uh, you know, I was pulling money out, and I ran out, and then 2008 just put final hammer and last deal on my retirement coffin. So, yeah, I mean, we know markets crash. So if all your money's in the market, okay, you're going to have a crash. Pretty sure that historically speaking, anyway, we can kind of count on that. How does your income hold up when you're pulling money out of that account when it's going down and you can't replace that money because you're retired? What will markets do? These are things we don't know. Can you front load your income while you're still healthy? When you do a multi-year retirement plan, do you know where your income is going to come from? Are you pulling money out of your investment accounts? And if so, do you want to pull them out of secure investment accounts so you can count on them and, and not have to worry about the market? Or do you want to pull them out of the market investments and take that chance? Do you have enough to do that? What about your health and your energy? Are they in, in a declining state and so forth? So there is a lot of factors that go into a, a simple question. You said, well, what about my income? Yeah. You know, it used to be we had a pension and Social Security, pretty simple stuff. And that's all we had. Well, now, you know, the, the burden's been passed to us through our 401k plans, 4 through Bs, through savings, et cetera, 457s. And we're responsible for that. We're running our own business, our own financial firm. We don't even know it. And I was like, well, I, that's not what my job was. But now I feel like I'm an investment advisor and a financial firm runner of my own portfolio, all of my stuff. And maybe you don't feel like you, you have a good handle on your income that it will support the lifestyle that you want to live. And so it's, uh, I, again, I took a very simple question from you, Jeff. Sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what about my income? What, what's the catch-22 there? And, and I made it really complex because it is. It can be. It's not complex if you don't have assets and so forth. I get that. Right. If you're living on Social Security, a lot of America does. But uh, when you do have significant assets, it can be very complex. And I phrase this, to live the life you want to live. Because a lot of people have worked hard their whole life and have assets. They want to live a life that's not cheap. They want to travel. They want to give money to their grandkids and help them with school. They want private school, whatever. They want to help their kids get into their first house. They want to help their charities. They want to do things that they didn't have the time mm -hmm. to do or the money to do. Now that they have the time and the money, they got to do them quick because they're getting older. Right. <laughs> we only have so many good years uh, after we retire. So. 
These are all components of, of an income plan, and it's a catch-22 sometimes when we have, well, I have all this money in the stock market, but gosh, it's not producing the income I need to live the life I want to live, and I'm worried about a crash. Oh, okay, we got a problem here. How do we start balancing that? Again, that gets back to that balance to avoid right. the bad catch-22. Well, that's a perfect example of where the 4% rule just simply falls very, very short. It depends. There are a lot of questions to be answered there. Next one is going to be long-term care. Now, there is one that really has a lot of variables. There are a lot of questions to ask about that one, too. Yeah, I mean, the typical long-term care discussion, most people think of a long-term care as something you pay into every month. And it's one of those things, well, I'm paying for this. I hope I don't need it. But if I need it, I hope I have it. When I think I'm going to need it, I don't qualify to get it. <laughs> so you have to sign up for it and pay for it when you feel good and your, your health is good so that you potentially have it later. And then there's always the regrets of, well, if I hadn't paid into it, I could have invested that money. The markets did well and I could have had more money perhaps, you know. So again, these are all these catch-22s, but wouldn't it be nice to have it if I need it? But I don't want to think about needing long-term care. That's no fun. And so, you know, we'll have discussions about uh, asset-based long-term care policies where at least we can take part of that catch-22 out of it. Okay, if I put in let's say 100 grand into this plan, and I never use it, and I pass away, at least my heirs get most of that money back. Along the way, I don't have to feel like it's completely wasted. And so uh, it's kind of like, you know, I have flood insurance. I live on a lake, and I'm pretty sure the lake has an outward area where the (laughs) excess water runs off. But I have to buy flood insurance for the thing that will never happen. That's money wasted in my brain, but FEMA requires that I have it. Okay, well, I'm paying into it. I'm not going to get anything back on it. That's kind of silly, but I'm required to do it. You know, a lot of people think that way about long-term care. And at least with an asset-based plan, you don't have that. But, you know, here's an area of great uncertainty. Are you going to get sick? If you are, how long? Are you going to be incapacitated? When would that happen? Uh, What's the market going to do until that happens? Is it better to invest in the market or are you better to purchase a long-term care? How much long-term care is enough? Because there aren't easily accessible policies that will cover 100% of your long-term care. You got to combine it with, well, if I have long-term care, that means I'm not traveling. Okay, so my travel budget can go into that. My social security check, my annuity check, my rental check, whatever. I I just need maybe long-term care as a supplement to cover the parts that uh, my income can't because I won't be doing a lot of things if I need long-term care. So Again, a huge uncertainty. Uh, boy, Brian, uh, poor Jeff here. You know, I, I just asked you about long-term care. You know, <laughs> you, you want it or not? not. Well, Simple question. Of I want it. Simple question, you would think. But no. gosh, we made it, uh, Brian, you made it so complicated. And there's so many things to think about. Now, you know, well, I'll throw in the, the other complication. You've asked me about Social Security, taxes, income, and long-term care. Yeah. Each one of them was filled with nuances and what-ifs and we-don't-knows and, and all of that. Now combine all four of them. These are just four components of a financial plan. And the complexities, the combinations and permutations of how they work together and interrelate with each other now even make it more complex. So I'm kind of referring back to you know, a lot of people, well, I went on the website and I filled out a financial plan. It only took me eight minutes and told me I'm, I'm fine. I'm like, well, did it? <laughs> Should it have? I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think financial planning is more complex than that if you're doing it right. We try to do the heavy lifting for folks on that. We just need to know data and understand you and, and your goals and objectives and, and health and so forth. But past that, you know, we do all the heavy lifting. Brian, with all of these complexities and catch-22s, can an advisor do this on their own? Uh, well, they can try, but their success rate might be low because most advisors, a vast majority, are not licensed to give tax advice. So right there, one of my four topics was taxes. And tax advice can include estate planning advice, charitable giving, taxation advice, or business succession, real estate succession, all of that. I mean, it all involves taxes. So if you can't answer a tax question legally, then we already got a problem right there. A lot of advisors don't have access to all the different product types to accomplish some of the goals, too. There's another big issue in the industry. They're selling a thing. You know, the line of questioning is to try and get you to buy their stock and bond mix or to buy their annuity or to buy their long-term care or their life insurance program that they're pushing. So I would say that unless you have a team, it'd be very difficult to do this right. Well, Brian, you've given us a lot of great information today, a lot of great answers. But if our listeners are still confused like I am, we invite you to call 833-673-7373 right now and request your comprehensive Madrona analysis. 
Again, we have opened the phone lines right now for you, 833-673-7373. A complimentary Madrona analysis can be yours at no cost and no obligation whatsoever. Just a friendly conversation for you to get your questions answered and put you on a path towards a successful retirement. Once again, that number, 833-673-7373. The phone lines are open as we speak, so call right now. We're going to take a quick break, Brian, and we come back here on Growing Your Wealth. We'll be talking about five tax mistakes that retirees make. Stay tuned. Tired of only getting half the story? That's why it's so important to get your financial information from a CPA and an advisor like Brian Evans. Now let's get back to some of the most comprehensive financial information around. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to Growing Your Wealth. I'm Brian Evans, CEO and President of Madrona Financial and CPAs. In this next segment, we'll be talking about five tax mistakes retirees make. And Brian, you know, when it comes to retirement, I think a lot of people think, well, I'll stop working on Friday, Monday, my retirement will begin. And it's just that simple. It's not simple. Why is retirement, Brian, so darn difficult? Well, it used to be that you'd work your 30 or 40 years and retire with a pension, and that was pretty much it. And then, you know, your your wants were, were pretty limited. I, I know generationally, generations older than me, you know, they didn't do a lot of travel or they weren't as active. Healthcare wasn't quite as good and so forth. And so it was a pretty basic life, just looking to survive. Well, now that the burden has shifted to the worker through 401ks, as I mentioned in the last segment, uh, 403Bs, 457s, all that kind of thing, and a away from pensions, and we have a stressed universal retirement system, our Social Security, things are becoming more and more complex. It's, it's like you need to know how to run the accounting department of a small business and the investment division of a small business when you're figuring out what you're going to do with your assets to provide the income, growth, security, liquidity, and tax savings you need to have the successful retirement you want to live the life you want to live. So it has gotten way more complex. The types of investment vehicles are way more complex. Some you have access to, some you do not, unless you go through a licensed financial advisor like ourselves. And so there's just so much more in this complex world. And that can be a good thing. It can be a bad thing. If you get proper help, it can be a good thing. Uh, We have access to things we didn't have before. That's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you don't have help and you don't understand it, it can be a bad thing. You can make mistakes that can really damage your retirement. Yeah. And I think of my father, I mean, working at General Motors, when he retired, you had health insurance through General Motors for the rest of your life. But as you said, the burden or the responsibility, I'd like to call it, really shifts to uh, the employee now and not the employer. And speaking of medical insurance, I mean, one of the things that you have to do when you're retired is you have to pay attention to uh, IRMA, income-related monthly adjustment amounts, if you uh, take Medicare Part B. Yeah, Irma is not the lady down the street that gets mad when your dog poops on her lawn. Uh, Irma Irma is is a term that relates to when you have a high-income year and you're on Medicare, that you may be socked with a great big bill for 12 months that you didn't expect. And so, you know, you'll see this happen with a retiree that maybe sold an old rental house and they have really high income in one year. And gosh, even if all their income was Social Security, they might lose up to half of it just with Irma because they have to pay a whole lot more for their Medicare. Right. And, And somebody that just retired, maybe they were making a lot of money and then they go, okay, I'm taking Social Security. I'm not working anymore. I'm not going to get hit with that. Oh, yeah, you are. They're looking back two years. So you might have to communicate with Social Security to let them know what you're at now to avoid that. So part of our our planning has to understand that when we get somebody's tax return, we put it into a program that gives us where we're at related to the different IRMA cutoffs. And that's part of our planning. If if we're planning, say, a a Roth conversion so that we don't have high tax brackets down the road on, on IRA money, that can affect IRMA too. So we have to consider multiple things. It's not just a a one-off. I was talking about tax planning in the last segment. And when you make one decision, you've just clicked off about six other buttons that switch over and you go, oh, wait a second. When I do X, you know, there's a bunch of other things that change too, like Irma, like my tax brackets now and in the future and so forth. And and how much other things are taxed, how much my capital gains are taxed. I could do a, a Roth conversion up to a certain point, and if you have capital gains, you might be paying 0% on them. As soon as I go over that, I've, I've triggered a, a different tax on capital gains. So all this stuff interrelates. You really, again, you can't do tax planning on the back of a napkin. You can't right. do tax planning if you're not a licensed tax planner. So 
I mean, well, you can do it, but I don't know that you can do it right or accurately or be relied upon to give the that kind of advice. And talking about the Part B premium, I mean, $174 roughly is what the average person, you know, would pay for that. But if you have a spike in income, as you talked about, as a result of selling a property, something like that, you could pay up to as much as almost $600 a month. So very, very important to uh, think about that. The next one is going to be keeping fully depreciated properties. Mistake number two. Yeah, a lot of people think that depreciation was their friend when they own real estate. Hey, I get to write this stuff off. And a lot of folks, so when they look back, they go, well, I was in kind of a low bracket anyway because my rentals weren't producing a whole lot of profit way back when and I wasn't making as much money at work and brackets were lower and so forth. Then they get around to thinking about selling their property and they go, wait a second, I got to pay back all of the depreciation I took. I only got a 10 or 12%, 15% maybe benefit from that. And now you're telling me I got to pay it back all at 25% all at once. You know, I, I have a ton of depreciation. I've owned this asset for a long time. And so, yeah, that can be an issue. And if you have a big capital gain, you might be at, uh, well, I heard capital gains is 15%. Well, no, for you, it's 23.8 because you have one sale and it's a big whopping gain. So you have a 25% depreciation recapture and an almost 24% capital gain tax to pay. And your cost basis is next to nothing. So basically a quarter of, of your sales price is going away if you don't do it proper tax planning, like a 1031 exchange, maybe into a Delaware statutory trust, that kind of thing. You know, you, you think, well, gosh, I wasn't thinking about paying back depreciation. I paid 500000 for it. Isn't that my basis? No, it might be 100000 So you got 400000 depreciation recapture. You're not even thinking about paying back. I was just talking to a real estate investor recently, and one of the things about real estate that he brought up, I brought up uh, with him, was that he's got some Seattle properties, and he's really tired of owning in Seattle. He says, man, I'm, I'm, it's like hand-to-hand combat with yeah. regulators, the state, the city, the county. He called it hand-to-hand combat, and he's getting kind of tired of it. But the other thing was that his cash flow wasn't as awesome as he thought, and he started thinking about it. He said, you know, my buildings are 100 years old. And I can tell you, 100-year-old buildings, once you try and get permitting to do something to them or in Seattle, good luck. Have fun with that. And what about the cost of that? What about when people move out and you've got to fix things and you got a 100-year-old building? So the thing that we were talking about was deferred maintenance. Maintenance that hasn't happened that you know is going to happen because your building's 100 years old or 50 years old or whatever it is. And that can be a big thing to, if you're planning on your rental income to provide your retirement in your retirement years and you're just going to be a landlord, think about deferred maintenance. How much is it going to cost to truly fix up some of the big things that can go wrong or even little things like tenants moving and trashing your place or you have a fentanyl issue and you have to close it up and, and you got to have the cleanup. I wouldn't wish that on anybody, no. but I could go on and on about the complexities of that. But keeping fully depreciated assets is more than just, do I get tax deductions or not? It's lifestyle planning, it's 1031 exchange discussions, it's depreciation recapture, it's capital gain planning, tax bracket analysis, all these different things that can be wrapped up into that to get to the right answer. And Brian, another consideration here is a lot of landlords, all they do is do this look at gross rent and they wonder why their budget is so tight. Yeah, this is the most common thing that I run into with landlords is that they overestimate how much their profit is. When I ask them, how much do you make on your rental? Invariably, they tell me the gross rents. Yeah. Like, so you don't have any expenses? Well, of course I do. I pay property taxes, I pay insurance, I pay repairs. I replaced a roof. I did this, I did that. I said, please factor that in because we're talking about your what you can spend. What you can spend is not the gross. What you can spend, it's like saying, you know, I make 100 grand a year, so I can spend 100 grand, right? I'm like, well, what about Social Security and Medicare tax and federal income tax? Oh, yeah. yeah. And what about the money that comes out for your health insurance and this, that, and the other? Oh, yeah, I, I actually have 60, not 100. Right. It's 60, not 100. So the same thing goes with rents. And I just threw in a new one that isn't even listed is the deferred maintenance. Project your next 10 years expenses and divide it by 10. And if there's a new roof and, and new other things in there, that is something that's going to happen and divide that into the equation too. So add up your actual expenses, including actual repairs anticipated and then compute based upon the fair market value of your property what your real return on investment is very often you are going to come up with zero to two percent i see this over and over can you improve on zero to two percent i'm thinking it's very possible so 
without paying income tax. So this is an area that I think landlords, even if you don't know what it is, have us look at that. Have us look at your tax return, ask you some questions about your property, ask some questions about your lifestyle, and help us get to the right answer for that. Five tax mistakes that retirees make. The next one, Brian, relates to Social Security and taxes. Yeah, if you file too early, you may make it more difficult to do IRA and Roth conversions because that's a big topic. A lot of people retire maybe in their early 60s or, or thereabouts, and they don't have to take the required minimum distributions yet. But they have enough money in there. They're going, oh, I'm going to be at a top bracket, and I don't know what brackets are going to be in the future. They may go up. I keep hearing they're going up. And so if that's the case, we want to do uh, Roth conversions potentially. So we'd run these calculations. But if I'm running the calculation, I go, oh, wait a second. You already started your Social Security. Well, now the Social Security is factoring into my calculation, and I can't really do a whole lot of Roth conversion because you put Social Security into that. And if I do that, then your Social Security is is mostly taxable. And now that threw a, a monkey wrench into my equation. So it's better before you plan on taking Social Security to figure out your multi-year tax plan. When are you gonna do conversions? If you're gonna do conversions, how much are they? And can you put off your social security long enough to where when you do take it, you're not paying, you know, you're not messing up with other things you're trying to accomplish on your tax return. Right, insofar as taxes and social security goes, how do you calculate your provisional income on which social security is taxed? Yeah, again, you're asking me a question that uh, you think is pretty easy, but it's not. <laughs> and easy, even as you read the instructions, they can make you go crazy because a lot of people overestimate or they, they overcompute how much, you know, they'll take their Social Security, they'll add their pension income, their investment income, say, okay, well, this is my provisional income. Well, that's not actually the case. If you're proactive, you may be able to get 50% off on that Social Security calculation when figuring out how much of your Social Security is taxable and at what percentage. So you might have zero of your Social Security be taxable, half of it, 85%, depending on some calculations that are not back-of-the-napkin kind of calculations. There's a schedule that you can work your way through. I prefer to use a computer. I'm laughing because actually my computer is Stella at our place because she's one of our staff <laughs> yeah. accountants. Yeah. And uh, so my, my computer is her. And she uh, runs these calculations on our program and gets me the right answer. And so it's not easy. Uh, I think that's the theme of this show. It's been, gosh, Jeff keeps asking you pretty layup uh, (laughs) questions, it seems like. And you keep complicating everything, Brian. Why are you doing that to us? Well, because that's just the way things are. And to get it right, sometimes it's complicated. If you don't want to get it right, then don't worry about it. Don't, Don't be complicated. But I think there are some real opportunities. I see complicated as opportunities as long as I don't require you to read the tax code as many times as I had or the tax master tax guide over and over like I have. I don't require you as the potential client of Madrona Financial to do all that. You have to rely on us to be able to do that for you. But uh, we are licensed to do that with our CPA firm, of course, and we can do these calculations. We have plenty of uh, really good software to help us analyze your tax situation uh, as it relates to Social Security. Again, a, a lot more complex than one might think. Not only as as to when to take it, uh, how to take it, how it interacts with your Roth conversions, but then how you're taxed on it at different points in your life. So all of this is interrelated, interwoven, and we have the resources to help you get there. Brian, we've talked about a lot of things on the show today, and if our listeners are realizing that their retirement plan is not up to par, and you're really looking to explore opportunities with a team of advisors and CPAs, well, you're in the right place. We're opening the phone lines right now for you here at Madrona Financial. Our telephone number is 833-673-7373. That's the number that you use to request your Madrona analysis. Once again, that number 833-673-7373. And as I said, you can call right now. Somebody is available to take your call, take some basic information from you, and set you up with a conversation with one of our Madrona advisors who will be happy to take a look at your situation and answer some questions for you. Now, you must have at least $500,000 or more of investable assets to qualify. If you do qualify, we'll send you out Brian's book, Seven Steps to a Successful Retirement. It is so simple to get the answers that you need to avoid mistakes that may cause your retirement plan to not be quite what it could be. Once again, that number 833-673-7373. Phone lines are open right now. What are you waiting for? One call could make all the difference. Brian, we've covered a lot on the show today. What would you say is one mistake or one topic that many advisors get wrong? 
Uh, I would say selling a business. Uh, that's the one that it would be easier to say when I've seen it done right, because uh, it doesn't happen that often. There's many aspects to selling a business, whether it's staging the business for sale, figuring out how you're going to sell it, who you're selling it to, what the terms are, all of that. But then there's the tax planning attributes, because when you sell a business, the assets are broken into many different categories, each of which has potentially a different tax situation related to it, different tax rates. So there, there you might have basis. You might be selling out of a C-Corp versus an S-Corp or LLC. You've got potential opportunities for 1031 exchange on your real estate component or opportunity zone investments on your goodwill component, your capital gains. Equipment is taxed it differently than non-compete and goodwill and so forth. Then a lot of times when you sell a business, you're asked to stay on and, and sign a non-compete or have a, some kind of employment contract. So all of these can have different tax uh, attributes. And unfortunately, you know, people that in my industry don't have a lot of experience sometimes in this area. Certainly, if you're advising, I just, a lot of those were tax situations. And the CPA is not even brought in. They're talking to their financial advisor. They're talking to their, their business broker. And the business broker is going, what's a DST? What's an opportunity zone? And the financial advisor goes, yeah, I don't know what that is either. And what's hot assets and goodwill? And what's the taxation on those? And well, I, I don't give tax advice. The broker doesn't, then a financial advisor doesn't. So we got a real disconnect there. So even if you have all these three folks talking at the same time, the business broker, the financial advisor, and the CPA, even if they were all talking, they may not have the experience or the understanding of some of the options and know how to treat a business sale properly. So I'd say that's the one where, where I see it gotten wrong most of the time. Brian, you touched on it just a little bit when you mentioned uh, DST and OZs. How does it work if the business has property involved with it? Yeah, you could bifurcate the sale between the real estate and the goodwill and so forth. And with the real estate component, you have special rules available, special opportunities to do 1031 exchange into either other uh, like-kind investment real estate, just you know, investment real estate for investment real estate, or a Delaware statutory trust where you can uh, not have to be the landlord and have passive real estate. We've done a, a ton of, of DSTs through our business here. Uh, we know that area quite well. And that is often a component of a business sale if the, the business owns some real estate. Five mistakes that retirees often make. The next one, Brian, is going to be not funding your estate plan properly. Yeah, you know, it's interesting on estate planning that people ask, well, so you can draft my legal documents, right? And I'm like, no, we're not attorneys. We can't draft legal documents. Well, then what's your role? Well, our role is kind of to make sure everything gets right. And I just had this situation and it, was, it jumped out at me because it's a client who's an attorney who went to an attorney to get his estate plan done. And so I looked at the will and I'm going, well, wait a second here, we're missing all kinds of stuff. We were missing the credit shelter trust provision and these people had a taxable estate in the state of Washington and we could have doubled the exemption with, with that in there, but it wasn't the language wasn't in there. And then there was no language as to what happened to the assets if there's a death by one of these folks that were in their 40s, by the way, and a remarriage. Well, that, that can happen. And then where are the assets going? Well, uh, they might be going to the future husband's kids, and you wanted them to go to your kids that they had together. And all of this stuff was missing. And I'm like, wait a second here. This is two attorneys working together. And they're missing some of the stuff that we see happen all the time. And there was no differentiation of particular assets. And as people get older, misnaming the trustees and, and should you do a will or a living trust and all this kind of stuff and having those discussions and how are you going to fund different things if different what-if scenarios happen? How are you going to keep families together You know, if you name a kid as trustee and the other kids don't like that and think they should be named a trustee and you have fights and so forth? So what about trust provisions in there and what happens to those assets? So even though we're not drafting the documents, there are a lot of situations I, I see come up all the time where estate planning is more than just having, well, I have a will. Well, right. what's it say? Does it have all the components it needs? And have you delved into the what-if scenarios of people passing away, second marriages, kids not getting along where money's involved, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of these questions need to be brought up by us as a financial advisor because for whatever reason, they're not being brought up by the attorneys sometimes, by the other financial advisors, by CPAs or 
or whoever's involved, but they really should because that's really important stuff to get right. And sometimes there can be very minor things you're thinking that they're so minor they wouldn't make a difference, but they cause big problems. And I think about the cactus plant situation where, you know, they were going to court for years and years over who's going to get mom's cactus plant. It was so silly, but really that is something that should have been addressed in that estate plan. But I want you to tell the story about the million-dollar lawnmower again. It's in one of your books, I believe. It's Prosperous Revelations. But this estate plan missed a, a very important clause, which caused the estate to really pay a lot more in taxes than it needed to. Yeah, well, now, now we might be talking about the, the multi-million dollar lawnmower, but basically it's where you did your own will online and you missed the part that I was just mentioning. Gosh, even when the attorney went to the attorney, they missed this provision. Yeah. They missed the credit shelter trust provision, the AB marital exemption trust to double your estate exemption. Now, that's extremely important in the state of Washington because we have a very low exemption of, you know, just a little over a couple million, but it, it hasn't been a huge area for federal tax purposes lately. So this person, uh, the million dollar lawnmower, he did it himself and he bragged that he saved $1,000 and took the 1000 because he didn't give it to the attorney. He took the 1000 he saved and bought a lawnmower with it. Well, it cost his estate a million dollars at the time. And now it could even cost more depending on your situation. But there's also something coming up with the expiration of the Trump tax laws, the exemption amount, which is super high right now for federal tax purposes, over $12 million and potentially $12 million a person if you have the proper will or living trust. That's going to be a more than cut in half. And so we're going to have more than a doubling of people that may be subject to the federal estate tax than we do right now. There are more people in that uh, six to $12 million range than the 12 plus uh, would be my estimate. And so uh, a lot of people that didn't think they had a potentially taxable estate do. Now you can double that amount if you have the proper will or living trust, but don't just rely on the fact that you went to an attorney. I just saw this happen where it didn't get done. Mm-hmm. And so we need to look at this stuff and especially with the understanding that that law could change at any time. I remember when the exemption federally was 600,000. Can you imagine dying with an estate that maybe the federal tax bracket's 40 or 50% or it's, you know, it's been as high as 90 and the exemption is lower because the federal government needs more money. That could happen. That could happen in the future. So let's start getting this stuff right now and make sure you at least double your estate exemption if you have a taxable estate, especially in the state of Washington. Brian, funding my estate is another mistake that people make. Yeah, a lack of funding of your estate. What that means is when you go to the attorney, you're either getting a will or a revocable living trust. And the revocable living trust is meant to help you avoid probate. So when somebody passes away, they don't have to have the courts approve everything. Money can transfer directly. But kind of most of the time that I've seen it, a lot of people have trouble funding their trust. They don't retitle their bank accounts and their investment accounts and their real estate. And without retitling it, you're going to go through probate anyway. And so if you do have a revocable living trust, you have to retitle all of your assets, excluding a few. You don't have to retitle your car or your furniture or anything like that. You don't have to retitle your retirement accounts, not necessarily. You often will name a beneficiary on your retirement accounts, and those will avoid probate because they'll go directly to the beneficiary. But rely on your attorney to give you good advice, Sarah. But what I've seen too many times is somebody gets through the revocable living trust, they get the booklet, they take it home, they don't open it, they spend a lot of money on it. And if they'd opened it, the first page says, you got to take some action. You got to retitle your stuff. And if you haven't done that, then you have a, a very expensive notebook that isn't going to matter any at all because you're still going through probate. So that's what we mean by funding your estate. So estate planning is more than just getting a will or revocable living trust. It's making sure it's right, as I just mentioned, my story about not having the proper a trust. Here's another one. When you've got kids and, and maybe some are good with money, some aren't, or maybe they're just too young or maybe you're leaving it to grandkids that are young if you leave it directly to them that can really mess up their life because you know giving a lot of money all at once to somebody who's never had money or didn't earn it can be very problematic i think everybody knows stories of that and so if you can think it you can do it in your state documents so very often i'll, I'll see where okay i want to leave money to my kids for college first house start a business that kind of thing 
if the trustee approves it, they can have the income off the amounts for a period of time. And then uh, at different points in their life, they can have principal distributions so that if they get a distribution age 25 and, and they kind of blow it because they don't have experience. Okay, they get a couple more opportunities later in life. So that's one way to help somebody not destroy their life, not give a, a you know an 18-year-old millions of dollars. And you know, that generally doesn't go well. You know, I'm sure if they're Bill Gates, yeah, it'll go great. But most of us aren't Bill Gates. So uh, that's something to consider too. So even with the will, you got to do all the what ifs. You know, what if something happens to me, then are people going to be okay? Is my tax situation going to be okay? Is my spouse going to be okay if I have a spouse? Are my kids, what if there's remarriages? You know, if I die tomorrow, my spouse may remarry in three years. What, what happens then? Are my kids going to get aced out if her new spouse is, you know, a, a gold digger kind of thing? You know, seen that happen a lot. I, I bring it up to people and people are, oh, I, I don't think that's going to happen. And well, I don't either. And I hope it doesn't, but what yeah. if? And so we just got to provide for that. You put it in the will and then you, you have that peace of mind knowing even if something happens to me, my kids are going to be taken care of. My spouse is going to be taken care of. My taxes aren't going to be higher than they needed to be. I know all this stuff with mine. I know my living trust is funded. I know all that, you know, what's going to happen if something happens to me and it's going to be positive. So that that's the part of the estate planning that probably isn't talked about enough, but that's something I did want to bring up today. Brad, if our listeners have enjoyed the show today and they're looking to take some proactive steps so that they can be prepared for what comes down the pike in the future, well, one of the things you can do right now is call 833-673-7373. Even though it is the weekend, we have opened the phone lines for you so that you can request your Madrona analysis. You know, we don't know what the future holds for us here. We don't know if there are going to be market ups and downs. We don't know if there are going to be other wars. We don't have a crystal ball, but what can we do? Well, what we can do is have a plan that will help us be prepared for the good and the bad. Once again, that telephone number, 833-673-7373. Brian, we've covered so much on the show today. There's so much uncertainty out there. What would you say is the main takeaway that you want people to leave this show with? Yeah, this was a little different kind of a show because I did a kind of a deeper dive into some of the things going on behind the scenes in our brains when we're looking at different things. You asked me simple questions and I gave you very complex answers because I started bringing out some of the nuances. And we don't know what we don't know, but we do know one thing. We want to keep more of our hard-earned money. Okay, I'm pretty sure everybody listening thinks that. And so if there are opportunities to do that, I would think that you'd want to kind of follow up on that. Uh, the other theme of the show was... I don't know that you can do this without a team of advisors and CPAs working together that understand this stuff and have access to all the product knowledge and all the different products and aren't really pushing one thing or another on you. So without that team, it's very difficult to get the nuances right that we were talking about on this show. And there were a lot of them. Well, Brian, this has been a great show. Once again, our listeners can call 833-673-7373 for their complimentary Madrona analysis. Brian, out of time for this week. I want to thank you for your time, but most of all, I want to thank our fine loyal listeners for joining us. For Brian Evans, I'm Jeff Shade. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again next week right here with another edition of Growing Your Wealth. No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth show should constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your own individual information. Brian Evans and Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency and an affiliate of Madrona Financial Services. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investors cannot invest directly into indexes. No investment strategy, including asset allocation and diversification, guarantees a profit or guarantees the avoidance of loss. Financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes. DSD investments are only available to accredited investors and offered solely through the issuer's offering documents. The DST sponsor determines whether to accept any individual subscription documents. Madrona Financial and CPAs is a registered trade name used singly and collectively for the affiliate entities. Madrona Financial Services, LLC, Madrona, and Bauer Evans, Inc. PC. Bauer Evans. Investment advisory services are provided through Madrona. CPA services are provided through Bauer Evans.